Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Marcy Rader, a multi-certified health expert, three-time best-selling author, and a global award-winning high-impact speaker. I intentionally invited Marcy to my show because of her expertise around increasing productivity and eliminating employee burnout, which is essential in delivering great customer experiences. She shares valuable leadership advice and hacks, or what she calls power-ups, that are simple to do and game-changing. You'll hear a few in particular that I never knew, and it immediately changed the way I work, resulting in so many benefits. You'll have to listen to find out more, and I highly suggest you take notes as there's many gems shared. Please, if you like this episode, share it with others. Subscribe to Doing CX Right for updates, and leave me a review. Your feedback means so much. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Marcy Rader. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. I am happy to be here with you. Let's get started. First of all, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do professionally? I own a health-powered productivity company. And what that means is that we train individuals and teams to overcome burnout and overwhelm by way of reducing their emails and messages and all the things coming into their inboxes Mm. and devices, um, helping them manage their focus and distractions, and also prioritizing their time effectively. And the reason why we are health-powered is because it is not about how many more widgets you push out or how many more calls that you make. If you are staying up all night to do it, or you're checking email at three o'clock in the morning, or you're eating every lunch in front of a screen. Yes, and burnout for sure is clearly gets in the way of delivering great customer experiences. Mm -hmm. So I was excited to meet you and, and share with our audience about avoiding burnout and about making sure people are engaged and so much more. But before we go there... What's your why? Why are you so passionate about these topics? The workplace is also where you get your, you know, it's more than just work. You're getting personal fulfillment. You're getting, you know, personal satisfaction. That is where you're doing a lot of your um, growth as a person. And to, you know, maybe decades ago, it was very separate, but it's, it's not anymore. I mean, that is that is where we are getting a lot of our, our confidence and our self-esteem and just, you know, our general feelings of well-being is coming from the workplace. And so if you don't, if you're unhappy at work or you have, you know, um, a, a less than stellar sense of well-being, you know, eight, 10 hours a day, that's going to carry over into your personal life. And so we, you know, we want to instill healthy habits in people that will help them to, you know, be better versions of themselves and Mm. enjoy their jobs, which will then um, translate to better customer experience. 
Absolutely. What's one fun fact that people might not know about you? Well, I have some fun facts on my website, but when I I knew you were going to ask me this question, and what most people don't know is that I was kind of a hype girl in college, which means that when people were having parties, I would be invited because I was always the first one to start dancing. (laughs) Or bands. Um, I used to go to see a lot of live bands and they would call me or they would tell my husband, who was then my boyfriend, you know, bring Marcy because Marcy would always be the first one out there getting people to dance. And I used to work for a catering company at Big One. And as part of the catering team, if it was like a wedding or anywhere where there was music, I would get people out on the dance floor. So I was kind of a hype girl. So to your experiences in in that, what do you think is the good lessons you've learned about leadership? Well, I I always go back to this video that went viral several years ago of the one guy dancing out at the concert and he looked like the crazy person. And it wasn't until the second person came and started dancing along beside him that it became okay and more the norm. And I think that to be a creative leader, to be an innovative leader, you have to be willing to be that one person out there dancing by yourself in the beginning. Um, You know, we often look to the default. And I even say, you know, even with like our devices and all the notifications that we get, you know, the, the default is for them to be on. They're not on to help us be more productive. They're all on to get us to use the the device more, to use the tool or the program more. They actually, you know, decrease your productivity. And so, you know, thinking, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, is this just the default? Am I just going by the default? Or is there a different, better way that I'm willing to take a risk and test out? Mm. Let's talk about burnout mm-hmm. because it is real and it gets in the way completely of people enjoying their jobs and how they show up for customers. Tell me your perspective of burnout. What is burnout? Let's define that first. Mm. Burnout is a feel for my clients, burnout is a feeling that they can never catch up. They don't have time to thinkitate, you know, to, you know, think, just sit and think and be creative and be strategic. And they're just trying to keep their heads above water. That is the burnout that my clients, that our clients come to us with. It is rampant in the last year. And that's, you know, one of the reasons for the great resignation or the great reassessment, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I can, I've actually had three private coaching clients in the last two months that have changed jobs. And they even said, even if it's a different frying pan, I'm starting over and I have time to, to experience, you know, to, to not experience the burnout. They were just so over it. They were, they, they don't even know if where they're going is better. They just needed to start over. And that is not a good sign. Mm. 
<laughs> I heard this saying recently, actually from my uh, my brother, he said that you want to go to a company, not run from a company. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that good? And it's that true. Is. It's a very different yeah. mindset. Mm-hmm. So how do leaders actually identify burnout? What should they be aware of? Well, it is harder when um, when employees are remote because you're not seeing the visual cues of burnout. But I think, you know, doing, we do, so when we go into a company, when we do any kind of consulting or, or workshops or training, we have a scorecard that's anonymous where people can, you know, they, they answer questions related to their email, their task, their time, you know, their sleep, their, you know, their nutrition meetings, all of those things. And at the end, we ask, you know, what is our company doing to help you be healthy and productive? What is our, you know, what could our company do better? And when we see those kinds of answers, some of them coming in, it is, you know, sometimes it's, um, it's sad to see like people are just asking for minimal things and just wanting to be seen and heard. And they're feeling like they don't have that. And so, you know, making sure that people have some kind of outlet to, you know, to talk to someone, whether it's EAP or a mentor or somebody about this level of burnout without feeling like it's going to jeopardize their job. Mm. Psychological safety is what I call that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I also believe that leaders need to be so aware of signs of burnout and be proactive in asking their staff, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And also of customers who are people, what a way to build intimacy, professional intimacy and trust and those relationships that are why people buy. Yes, it is. And, you know, I um, I think as a customer, it's it feels obvious a lot of times when somebody is not enjoying their job. And I have, for the last year, actually, it's been over a year, I was dealing with what I thought was a simple name change with the IRS. Um, we rebranded, I changed my name, the tax ID was the same, I thought it would be easy peasy. It took 13 months. I stopped um, clocking hours at um, about, you know, after I'd spent about 12 to 15 hours on trying to get this simple name change. And the people that answered the phone that I worked with, you know, first of all, as a customer, I was on hold at minimum 45 minutes every time because I tracked it. And then I had some people that were, were, you know, very pleasant, but then others, you know, one man literally sighed when I told him what I wanted. He went, you know, um, I had another one hang up on me. And, you know, so those were the people I thought, okay, you, you are hating your job right now. But, but what, what's interesting about that is, first of all, I felt empathy for them because they're dealing with these archaic systems 
and and tools that you know the government has not updated. Uh, you know they're still using facts for things. You know they want you to physically fax things. You know and it's COVID. You know nobody can go and fax things when it's COVID. So they're dealing with you know, not being able to even provide good customer service that they get virtually everywhere else. And so I felt I felt empathy for them. They were, you know, they're short-staffed. But here's the other thing, Stacy. There was no one for me to complain to. You know, every company now, we are surveyed to death, right? We make any kind of interaction online, any kind of transaction online, and we get a survey. How did we do? You know, we fill out a, you know, we put something in the chat. How did we do? How did we do? The government does not give you anything that asks how they did. So there's also not always an incentive for them to even be pleasant to you. And so, you know, when I was, when I was dealing with them for, especially in the last few months, I felt frustration as a customer, but I also felt deep sympathy and empathy for them that they are working in a in an environment in a situation that is is like being handcuffed. They can't provide like they can be pleasant, but they can't make it easy for anyone. Mm. That's key, easy. I mean, that's really a huge reason why we choose brands, why we work mm-hmm. for brands, why we have the relationships when it's easy and it's seamless. And, and then employees not being empowered or have the tools, as you said, to make their job easy. I mean, that's just what I call doing CX very wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, it, even something as simple as if I'm punching in my 15 different or 15 digit account number. And then the the customer service representative gets on the phone and asks me for my 15 digit account number. It's like, I just put it in like that. It's things can be simple. And we, we want to make things simple because it's not just for the customer. It's also for, you know, it's the employee's reaction from the customer. You know, now the customer is automatically frustrated with the employee. In your example, now, I'm not sure those people have burnout. I think they're just disengaged. There's clearly a difference. Tell me your view Mm -hmm. on that. I could see the ones that I'm talking about could be both. They could feel disengaged, but also feel burnout. Um, and because I was speaking about the IRS, they are very understaffed and under budget. Um, so they are working much longer hours. And so, you know, burnout would definitely be real with them. From a disengagement perspective, there's not a lot of, there aren't people calling them that are happy. You know, you're calling the IRS because you have a problem, you know? And so when we, when we think about our employees' mental health and the personalities that we're hiring for those types of positions and the, the resources that we're providing them, 
it's also something to think about. You know, when they're being contacted, are they being contacted because people are happy or do we automatically need to prepare for, you know, deflection of some way? I When I worked in college at an ice cream shop, I chose the ice cream shop because I said, nobody ever goes in to buy ice cream in a bad mood. You know, like you go in to get ice cream because you're happy. But I think that disengagement you know, you can be burned out and love your job. I just got off a coaching call with somebody who loves her job, loves what she does, but is completely burned out. And at some point, they will become disengaged because our willpower, our discipline, and our mental, it's not finite. You know, we, we all have a line in the sand. Mm. Yes, so both burnout and disengagement, they're different, but they could also be happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. So what are some tactics that you want leaders of companies to pay attention to and and you as your advice to drive them to drive people to be more engaged, to deliver better service to each other and to customers? I think that leaders need to, and, and you know, this is speaking very in general, can think about their culture as whether it's reactive or responsive. The, the overwhelm often that I see in our experience comes from the feeling the need to be reactive all the time. And that often, you know, ends up with mistakes or errors or saying something in a way that we wish we hadn't. And there's absolutely a difference. I would rather have to wait a few minutes and you know, get better customer service, get someone who is, you know, happy, then, you know, get someone immediately that is curt or cuts me off or sighs, as that man did on the phone. So looking looking at your company culture and determining, you know, are we reactive or are we responsive? Going back before to the employees who have archaic systems and process, and there's a whole theme of freeing up time for your employees Mm -hmm. so that they have time to better connect with their customers and serve them. You mentioned earlier that you help clients with productivity. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about any tips and tricks that people could do from listening to this to help them with productivity, to help save time in that mundane work? Yes. Well, I will say companies will never get out of email hell if they do not use some type of project management system. I am continually surprised at large, large companies who do all of their task management and delegation through email. Um, We, our company rarely emails each other. 
I mean, I don't, I don't even, maybe a couple times a month, we do all of our communication in a project management system. I don't have to, you know, look and see what's going on. I can just go there and look at it. And, you know, email is the number one thing that people come to us for. And we certainly work with a lot of companies that don't have project management systems. But if you're looking at, you know, what is something I can do? What is something we can implement in 2022 that could be a game changer for our communication that will allow us to free up time? It would be move to a project management system like ClickUp or Asana or Trello and get out of your inbox. And you don't even have to be a big company. You could just be a three-person company and do that. Yeah. And Slack is not a productivity tool. Mm. Slack is a distraction. Slack is a distraction for most people. So you also have to think about your tools and like Microsoft Teams, you know, it's a tool. It is not something meant to be on 24-7. Get out of your inbox, listeners. I love that quote. That's awesome. So let's talk about power-ups. Mm-hmm. Love the, I love the phrase. What are what are power-ups? Power-ups are the hacks that we train people on for time and focus and energy that they can incorporate into their day. So, you know, as an example, lunch is a power-up. And, you know, when people work through their lunch or they eat in front of a screen, they are actually decreasing their productivity in the afternoon. We may think that we're saving time by eating and you know in front of our computer, but we're actually not. Um, we, you know, studies have shown that we are less productive in the afternoon if we have not taken a break, but then also we will eat up to 30% more calories later in the day, which is insane but up to 30% more calories later in the day because it has not been imprinted on our brain that we've eaten anything. And so we're we're not as satiated, we're we're not fulfilled, and we're more likely to snack. And so when companies are, you know, continually um, scheduling meetings over lunch or not giving people that, you know, the empowerment to say, no, that's my lunchtime, Um, you know, we need that. That's where health-powered productivity comes in. And that is like a a productivity power-up, is to actually step away from your computer and eat a meal and take a break. Mm. It sounds so simple, and yet... It is, but it's yet. yet. (laughs) And yet, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I spent the first probably 20 years of my adult life Um, eating lunch in front of a screen. You know, are you guilty? Are you guilty guilty. of that? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm raising my hand, but tomorrow I'm not going to be. Well, here's the thing. It's because I'm a realistic person. If If your habit is to eat lunch in front of a screen, then maybe the goal is more days than not. I eat lunch away from the screen. You know, maybe, or you say like on Tuesdays and Fridays, I'm screen free. You don't have to do it every day, but it's it's the goal. Like maybe it's just, yeah. you know, on certain days. Yeah. 
And it goes back to reducing burnout, things that mm-hmm. are in our control. Because we can't just yes. rely on our boss to reduce our burnout. We have to own it. Absolutely. We have to own it. And we, our bosses also need to let us feel empowered to own it. Um, as an example, you know, the client I was talking about earlier, she had meetings from 10 to 12, had blocked out 12 to 1 to eat because she had meetings again from 1 to 3, and the company scheduled a meeting and all hands from 12 to 1. So she said, you know, I didn't get a break for, you know, four or five hours. So she couldn't even, if she wanted to, you know, take that screen-free lunch. So it's it's the responsibility of both. Yeah. It's the responsibility of both. Share one more, one more power-up. Don't start your day in your inbox. Your inbox is another person's agenda. Your inbox is another person's agenda. So if you set your priorities the evening before, like these are my top three priorities for the next day, and you just do one of them before you hit the inbox, just one, it will keep you from getting your day derailed. I love that. Yeah. That's and never, wonderful. never give your inbox up in bed. Your inbox is, or your bed is not the place to be in your inbox. Your bed is for, you know, sleeping, reading, and fun times. It is not yeah. for checking email. Ooh, a lot of people's ears are going to perk up with that one. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so as we're concluding, I have two final questions. One is, if I had many CEOs and leaders, entrepreneurs in my room right now listening, what would be the one takeaway, the one thing you want them to remember? The one thing I would want them to remember is that when you are in a position of hierarchy, you are the role model that people are looking at. And it does not matter how many times you say, I work long hours, I work at night, I work on the weekends, I don't expect you to. If they know that you do, they will feel compelled. Most people will feel compelled. So if you do, good for you, but refrain from communication with your team during those off hours. Refrain from emailing during your supposed holiday shutdown or on Saturday evening, because in a position of hierarchy, people will feel compelled. I love that. And there's a hack that you can use on Outlook, for example. I'm sure they all have this. Actually, Google has it too, where you can schedule your message to go out, right? Yes, I schedule so many of my emails to send at a different time, yeah. So what you said is actually in people's control. Because I, I mm-hmm. relate. I don't want to forget something. Right. So, so you want to type it out. Yep. Yeah. And click on that scheduler and it will go out Monday at 9 a.m. instead of Sunday mm-hmm. at, you know, 5 p.m. And people feel like, oh, no, I, I, I missed it or I didn't do something. 
Right, right. And there's also a, an app that you can put on your phone to schedule your texts. So oh. for, for, yeah. So for companies, for people who t- are texting their employees, because now we're all texting, you know, yeah. then on, you know, sometimes for work, you can use an app called Scheduled and you can type out your text and schedule it to send. And this is how I have, um, how I am often the first person to tell someone happy birthday. (laughs) Because I have scheduled the text to send early in the morning. But yes, you can do that. Oh my God, that is worth gold because yes, what a way to show respect to to the recipient, to a customer, to a... Mm -hmm to an employee, a colleague, brilliant, Mm -hmm. brilliant. I encourage everybody to go find the scheduled app. I'll put it in the Mm -hmm. show notes. Uh, Last thing, if you could go back in time to your younger 20-year-old self, what would you tell younger Marcy that you didn't know then, that you know now? This has nothing to do with customer experience or productivity. I would tell myself to eat less sugar. I was a sugar, sugar was a food group for me until I was 40 years old. And um, I would say, you know, Marcy, dial it back a little bit on the sugar. But I like that you're saying dial it back or less because some people say no. Oh, I'm not saying eliminate. No, no. Yeah. I'm not, I actually have a rule for myself. I eat sugar or I, I eat treats um, on weekends and holidays, real holidays, not like Columbus Day. But that's, I have done that for seven years. Um, so holidays and weekends, I eat whatever I want. And during the week, I just have guardrails up and it works for me. I love that. Wonderful, wonderful tips. Where can people find you? I'll leave it in the show notes, all the links, but what's the best way? Because I know people are going to want more. Thank you. HelloRaderCo.com and hello, H-E-L-L-O, Raider, R-A-D-E-R, Co-C-O.com. Well, thank you so much for the gift of you today. And I am so excited for people to hear this episode. It's going to be really very impacting. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.